and so all the nature there is rhythm between the seasons or in the seasons so we need to um, if we can align with the nature a little bit this is what is a sky breath practice okay i am here with gurudev shri shri ravi shankar it's an honor to be with you namaste namaste I wanted to start. I've been fortunate to sit in this beautiful beautiful space here in Los Angeles and to be in the presence of a couple of very very deep meditations. And I started to delve into your words and I was struck by how it felt when we were in meditation and how it felt when we were in inquiry, when people were asking you questions. And what struck me was the power of the answers in the silence and you wrote something very beautiful and i'd love to ask my first question after reading this paragraph you said the mind does not like simple things it wants to complicate everything in doing that the mind does not allow the heart to be innocent simple and natural it is the nature of the ego to want something very hard very difficult but heart is the opposite of that heart is simple natural and innocent your heart cannot find fault with anyone it cannot find fault with yourself because when your heart is dissolved it has opened to infinity to the divine if your heart is fully opened you cannot find fault with anyone because you will see everyone as part of yourself i love that because i feel often in my own life that i'm in my head and i feel that many people in our modern day culture and living are in their head my question is how do we begin to build the muscle of the heart <laughs> fortunately you don't have to build much mm. you only have to dismantle ah <laughs> dismantle all those extra things we we have acquired and uh, we have built around that yes yeah. it seems our culture at least in the west is oriented around accumulation but what you're advocating for is reducing of the clutter letting go <laughs> exactly <laughs> letting go this is beautiful we orient ourselves very much in parts you know our heart our head our gut and you talk about a much larger language the language at least in my interpretation of the soul or of consciousness how can we begin to have a, a a deeper relationship with the soul within ourselves the soul that is beyond this this meat suit this body that we wear in this life we must know uh, every part of us is part of the soul mm. you don't have to just condemn any one aspect of yours Mm. you simply have to embrace every aspect of it mm. you simply have to embrace every emotions it's okay to have uh, you know an upset mood sometimes it's okay to be angry it's mm. okay you know when you keep agreeing with all that is happening with you then you'll be less stressed when you're less stressed or no stress in you then negativity automatically goes away from you <laughs> This notion of reducing the stress I found it very powerful because it seems simple but yet it's the hardest thing for most of us to do. <laughs> so 
in a world now which occurs to me as oriented towards producing stress, right? I feel, not to romanticize the ancient times, but I had the good fortune of living in Sri Lanka for two years in a small village there. And I thought about the jungle and maybe 1,000 years ago, time being very much the rising and the setting of the sun, you know? And still, my ama would wake with the rising sun and, you know, we would go to sleep around the setting of the sun. But now with our phones, you know, time has been changed, you know? It's nanoseconds, you know? And that produces for many of us this stress. And I feel like so much of the wisdom of the ancient teachings are still relevant today and actually are, are oftentimes now being discovered anew. But also we are living in a very unique time in terms of how fast things seem to be moving. Is there some kind of... Um, strategy or, or offering that you can recommend for people moving through this seemingly stressful modern world? The formula of stress is too much to do, mm. too little time and no energy. Mm. Yes. <laughs> no. As it looks, you can't reduce the things that you need to do. It keeps adding up every day. Time is constant. Mm-hmm. But what the one variable here is uh, energy level. Mm. So when we boost our energy, when we raise our energy level, stress disappears. Yes. And time and again, we have to take some time and to be with nature. Mm. It may not be possible every day, but once a week, twice a week, you know, just take a walk and watch the nature, take a plant, uh, you know, uh, engage in some, you know, plantation, yes. agriculture, horticulture. All these things can um, give the desired, um, you know, results. results that we look for. I found this yesterday, actually. I was feeling very stressed and you know, in those moments of 15, 20 different decisions, what to do? Just arrange flowers. <laughs> exactly. Sit and do some work like that, you know, which is completely irrelevant to your yes. uh, work. Yes. I went for a hike, and it was the equivalent for me of this yeah. being going with the flowers. Yeah, going for a hike and going for a swim and, you know, all those activities which can deviate you from your routine. Yes definitely helps but on top of this meditation is something that I would recommend that is nothing that is compared to meditation so I found this with you I found in the meditation a depth that was quite profound I think many people get confused about what meditation is and I know that this is an area of your expertise Can you share a little bit about the philosophy or science of meditation and breath? You know, meditation is food for our soul. Mm. In one word, if I had to say, I would say it's a food for your soul. Don't starve your soul. Mm. (laughs) You know, most of our souls are, I see, are malnutrition or starving for that inner uh, exilio. Yes. So, and it is not a difficult thing. 
you just need the right guidance right uh, guide to put you there you see yeah and it's very easy yes i heard in another interview you shared about if you're you know you're thirsty it's simple you drink you know <laughs> if you're hungry it's simple you eat yeah. if you're stressed it's simple you meditate you know but yes. yet we forget to do this i get when breathing is very very important i mean everybody knows without breath we can't exist yeah but we never pay attention to our breath yes if alone we pay little bit attention in the breath or say the different if only we pay just a little bit attention on the breath mm. it can relieve us of so much stress it can energize our system you feel more presence of mind mm. we can achieve a lot there's many different teachings as it relates to breath for example heard of tumo breathing in the tibetan tradition I know that you have your own form of teaching as it relates to breath. For those who are listening that want to start delving, um, of course we all breathe and it's quite natural. But if there's one, you know, sort of simple form of guidance or technique and of course they can go deeper through the art of living, but that you can recommend for people to become more mindful and focused on the breath. Is there anything you can share? You see there is a rhythm in the breath. Mm. There is a rhythm in the mind. There is a rhythm in our emotions, mm. and there is rhythm in the body. There is biorhythm, mm. and so all the nature there is rhythm between the seasons or in the seasons. So we need to, um, if we can align with the nature a little bit. This is what is a sky breath practice. Mm. It just needs two days, three days to learn it in the initially. and then you can do it on your own 10 minutes every day yes you can observe the breath and taking long deep breaths time and again would be good yes uh, of course it, should, it cannot appear like a sigh and people <laughs> it will convey all together a different meaning for you know uh, you are at but this is necessary for everyone to learn something about breath that's why i call it a mental hygiene mm. like you have dental hygiene <laughs> i think it's essential I, i think this is maybe one of the least practiced you know I, of course with our dental hygiene i sometimes i forget to floss but i think many of us forget to take care of our mental hygiene yeah many in fact when i was driving here and and this is a question one of the things that i am inspired by is your work and your work beyond the home so to speak you know you've you've created these centers around the world but you've done work for example with the FARC in Colombia and you work uh with prisoners and what occurred to me as i was driving here in los angeles is i looked out the window and i saw you know we we have a tremendous number of homeless here homeless and i know from my time for example in india as well this is very prevalent and I think it's quite common for us to feel compassion but also to protect our heart because it's sometimes we feel hopeless. How do we help these people sometimes whose mental hygiene has fallen quite far away? Do you have any thoughts around how we can be more mindful yeah, of yeah, you know, our brothers see, sisters? Post pandemic the biggest issue in the world today is mental health mm. issues. See what happened in Texas recently mm. and what happened in Philadelphia. this sort of mindless violence is result of not attending to the mental health mm. we do shouldn't wait till person land up 
as a homeless, we have to attend to them right in the very beginning. Mm. I feel it's so important for us to teach people mental hygiene or robust mental health. Yes. You find two types of people. There are people who are depressed or there are those who are very aggressive. Mm. And uh, they swing between these. Depressed people get aggressive and aggressed people get depressed. Both extremes are dangerous for man, humanity. And we have to address this issue. As you know, we have to think of all the possible solutions. Uh, we don't have to say there could be only one solution, it could be many. Basic thing is education of nonviolence, mm. education in peace. We have number of such programs. There are 57 different courses designed for that. So we are teaching in prison, we teach here in the inner city, gang members, how gang members drop violence and, you know, adapt more humane practices in life. And also on the other side, we have people who are um, very depressed and very lethargic. They don't want to do anything. They don't want to take interest in anything at all. And these people also need help. Mm. For them, uh, all these breathing techniques, and um, they, they bring such a big transformation in them. I've seen this happening. So, on one hand, we have to take action right from kindergarten level. See, neither at home nor in school, nobody teaches us how to handle our emotions. Mm -hmm. And so we feel we get hurt very often. Yes. Either we are extra sensitive or we become insensitive. Mm -hmm. You see, if you are ultra sensitive, you land up in a bigger soup. Yeah. And if you are insensitive, you see what is happening in, in the country today here. So... We need to do a lot. And here, yoga, meditation, breathing exercises, spiritual wisdom, all are the balm. Yes. I mean, they are the real uh, thing to uplift humanity. I couldn't agree more. One of the questions I actually, as I was sitting with this opportunity, was this exact question of if you had to design a curriculum. You know, so much of our school system is, is based are rooted, at least here in the U.S., in sort of industrial capitalism. You know, we teach people the skills of, you know, how to be a, a worker in a factory, so to speak. Yet, we're now living in a very different environment. And my question really is, if you were to design an ideal curriculum for humanity, and it sounds like meditation, breath, yoga, inner awareness is all part of that curriculum. Are there any other essential aspects if you were designing you know, the Dalai Lama famously said, if every eight-year-old learned meditation, there would be no war, you know? And I'm curious, do you have any thoughts around how you would forge a curriculum for humanity? Yeah, see, we need to bring about an atmosphere of friendliness. Mm. I usually ask kids, uh, how many friends you have in your classroom? And they count on their fingers. Mm. I say, hey, come on, in a classroom of... 30 kids, you are not friendly with everybody. 
And in a school of 500 children or 1,000 kids, if you're not friendly with everyone, how are you going to live in this world with 8 billion people? Yes. You know, this attitudinal change we have to bring. We have several games and exercises to convey this point. You know, kids, you can't just tell them to sit with your closed eyes and meditate all the time. Yeah. We can inculcate meditation through games. Mm. And this is what we have done. We have done a program called Art Excel, All Round Training in Excellence. Mm. And Yes Plus program, Yes Youth Empowerment Seminar. In these seminars, we teach them number of games through which they realize it is necessary to cooperate, coexist, and be compassionate. Mm. That makes a big difference. Huge. Huge difference. One of the things that I, I felt when I was living in South Asia, and I had the fortune of studying with a the teacher there, was traditionally he expressed to me that there was no word for privacy and there was no word for possession. So to your point earlier around this going into nature and returning to the rhythm of the breath, he said when we fall out of balance, that's when we find dis-ease. And what I was introduced to was this profound form of traditional ritual linked to Ayurveda, where if someone fell into mental dis-ease, the whole village would gather and put them in the center. And from sunset to sunrise, they would ritually recreate their shared worldview and make sure that that person who had fallen out of balance felt seen you know, by the whole community. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was deep medicine because I went there at the time due to trauma where I was jumped. And for me, I found my own balance in that. But I fear for our culture, which is so now oriented around individuality, that there isn't the degree of community that is able to bring us back sometimes when we fall out of balance. What's your sense of how as individuals, we can become more attuned and find balance in the social, in the community? Yeah, there are two issues. You know, individuals feel disconnected with nature, first mm. of all. You don't realize your body is part of this planet, Earth. Yes. We came to this planet, we weigh only eight pounds or seven pounds. And today we weigh 130 pounds, 150 pounds, all this weight that we have, or we have acquired from the soil, yeah. from the earth. Yeah. Do we feel we are part of this planet earth? Mm. Do we feel that, I mean, you don't have to do it every day, but sometime at least we must remind ourselves we are going to go back to the planet, mm. to the earth. Yes. And we are part of this nature, you know. Do we care for our environment? Do we uh, think about the water? Do we ever consider uh, keeping the air more pure, living a better world for the future. These are some things that we need to think about and we should feel that connection. See, Native Americans here, the people of First Nation, they always felt connected to the nature. Yes. Directions, mountains, rivers, all these were considered very sacred for them. That means people throughout the ages, all over the world, have such deep connections with the Mother Earth. Mm -hmm with the nature, with mountains, with water. And at the same time, to be connected with people around the world, mm. around you, you know. So that sense of community need to come. Mm. It cannot be uh, limited to a race or a religion. 
or nationality. You will find this more, you know, when there is a threat perception, then people of a particular race or religion, they gang together, they get together. Then there is that group consciousness. When there is a negative mood, we get into a group consciousness, community consciousness. But I feel that it should come with a positive mindset, wherein you feel everyone in the planet is part of us. Yes. That's why we often say or always say, one world family. You know, that is very important to have the sense of connectivity. Yes. Just virtual connectivity, social media connectivity is not enough. The social media is all about connectivity. People still feel connected. But that communication and connectivity can be felt only when we are free from stress. Mm. The person is stressed, he doesn't even, he or she doesn't even feel connected with their own spouse, their own children. So the crux of the issue is stress-free mind. Mm. Then we are uh, sensible, and we are also sensitive. And we feel connected to everybody. We feel connected to the nature. We care for the nature and we care for people around us. Mm. Stress-free mind. That would be, a, I think, a beautiful gift for us all to share without question. And I resonate with your invoking of the native cultures of this land because I feel like this notion of that connection, the not separation from nature is so valuable. And also this idea of community. I think about, you mentioned social media. I know you work in prisons. You know, our greatest corporal punishment is solitary confinement. You know, we, we make people in a box isolated, mm-hmm. which I can't think of something that would cause more stress. Yet, they also say that when you feel most alone is when you're surrounded by other people and you feel lonely, which is oftentimes what is happening now with social media. So all of this, I feel like, induces stress. The antidote, if you will, or the, the reversal of that in terms of reducing stress and increasing connection is found in, in meditation, in nature. Are there other tools you think are I that are essential? engage in some social projects. Yes. Focusing you know, out on other people. You are part of some social project. Mm. You are not sitting and thinking only what about me, what about me, think only about yourself. Yes. I get more depressed. You engage yourself in social activity, social project. Make your time more useful for others without expecting anything in return. It's very hard to be depressed if you're focusing out on other people. Yeah, social projects, you know. Um, you're not sitting and thinking only about yourself. And mm. that's the formula for depression. Yes. Uh, you are out there caring for others, caring and sharing. Um, you know, that, that will do. Yeah. I want to ask you some bigger questions that are close to my heart, that I think you have a unique insight into. And that is, you know, I think oftentimes we get very focused, like you said, and the, a lot, many of our problems result around our self-obsession. And when we focus out or on another, on another person and being of service, or as you said, for example, like our connection to nature and that ultimately this journey will end, you know? The Stoic philosophers say memento mori, you know? Like live with mm-hmm. death on your doorstep and it's so powerful. 
how does our soul, this enduring aspect of ourselves, like what, what happens after we die? We won't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should have keep something for surprise also. Okay. But I tell you, it depends on uh, what state of mind you die. Mm. If you die with contentment mm. and in a state of uh, fulfillment and love, and you can exit the body, if you, if you are a good yogi, you can exit the body at will. Mm. Also, you are liberated. You can find that liberation even while you are alive in the body. Mm. But after the body drops, you don't. You feel just very normal. But in any circumstances, after death, we just see our whole life as a movie. And you will evaluate your own movie, how you have done it. <laughs> have you done it good or not? If you feel that there is some correction you need to do, you come back again and correct it. <laughs> <laughs> I think many people perceive karma almost from some judge determining, oh, that was bad, that was no, good. No, 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 no. It's no, not that no, way. No, no, no. You evaluate your own performance. Mm. Poignant. And I tell you, there is the loving presence of light that you are. Mm. You realize... Uh, you are not just somebody, but you are part of a universal spirit, universal light. Mm. And that's not the uh, trying to judge you or, you know, make you guilty or make you fearful and punish you. It's all nonsense. Yeah. I feel that when I think about the ocean or the sun, you know, how they give without any expectation. It's just, just love at least in my interpretation. You know, the word service comes from the original Sanskrit word called seva. Ah. Seva means doing things without any expectation, mm. wholeheartedly. Like he does. Sa means he, mm. eva, like him. Mm. Like him or her, whatever. The, the bigger power, how he does everything to you without expecting anything to you. Yes. And out of unconditional love, and that action or activity is called seva, service. It's fascinating when you see how ancient people throughout the ages have nurtured these values mm. of oneness, of um, compassion, of leap into the unknown. That's fascinating. I agree. Yeah. With this seva, to be a stand for service and to be a stand at scale, right? So I was looking here and I was noticing, oh, you know, these Art of Living centers, they, they are all over the world, huh? I mean, all over the world. And I thought about your work in Colombia with the FARC, you know, in peacekeeping and your work with prisoners. And I've seen just in, a, in my own very small articulation, you know, so many people look to you for answers, right? They come with their greatest existential questions and challenges. I think for those out there, and, and perhaps no one knows this maybe better than a mother, where, where they're always living in Seva, but how do you hold space for so many people without losing yourself or losing your center? <laughs> 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 
see a mirror can reflect any number of images because nothing sticks to it hmm. if mirror starts sticking to images then it cannot be a mirror hmm. so your mind is a mirror your consciousness is just a mirror and if it remains a mirror it can reflect anybody and can answer anything for anyone hmm. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. So you hold this space. I don't hold anything. You hold nothing. <laughs> I hold nothing. So perhaps the challenge at least for me is when you identify with something outside the mirror and you feel that there's a cord or something to which there is something holding is actually realizing that that's an illusion that actually there's nothing to hold. Yeah, nothing to hold. So yes. empty space. Yes. Everything is space. And you are space. Hmm. You know. All our thoughts, emotions are like they're all changing. They are like clouds. Yes. In the space. So we identify ourselves more with the clouds than the vast blue sky which is beyond them. Hmm. See? And that's exactly what the meditation does. That's what is enlightenment. Hmm. Not identifying the limited identity identities will be there but not totally identifying with them taking a step backward being aware of who really you are from the place of being aware from the place of awareness there is nothing to do nothing to do <laughs> and this leads to my next question then how because i think many people myself included through much of my life have struggled with the notion of purpose how do we live on purpose and you are still living a very full life no you're holding space you're doing service you're building this world culture festival so how does one and granted it doesn't necessarily have to be a dichotomy but in the perception of it's okay and being with what is and knowing the expansiveness how does one channel all your energy to some activity you know that you listen to your gut feeling that spontaneously it will come you know you don't think before oh i have to go and help somebody mm. when somebody is in crisis it is your nature to just jump in and help isn't it yes see uh, suppose you are standing by a pool and someone is drowning you don't decide beforehand oh someone is going to drown i'll go to help them it's in instantaneous it's spontaneous you'll just jump and pull them out yes and so i feel most of our action uh, when it is guided by wisdom they'll all be spontaneous mm. and that's why we need to listen to our intuitive ability mm. how does one cultivate intuition stress free mind mm. meditative mind yes <laughs> a heart free from cravings reducing of cravings i think it's human but but at the same time now much is engineered around encouraging cravings right you know and encouraging almost addictions and many of those cravings and addictions stem from this exact thing we talked about earlier of disconnection feeling disconnected and feeling okay if i just yeah. have more or enough which you never <laughs> have then i'll feel enough you know so whether it be 
a partner or a car or whatever, how do we reduce these cravings or reduce our, our attachment to them? That's, that's what is wisdom is all about. Mm. How you can see for what you crave for. You want joy, right? Mm. You want happiness. Mm. When you realize you are the source of happiness, what would other little objects around you give you? Yes. From a person who is trying to grab to someone who, who will be happy to give, is the shift that can happen. Mm. Instead, you try to grab happiness from all around, you start realizing you are the source of it and you can keep giving happiness. Cravings and aversions are natural for anybody. But maturity, wisdom, takes you beyond them mm. and make you realize the futility of it. Yes. You don't need to fight with yourself. You know, usually people try to fight with themselves to get over their aversions or craving. It doesn't happen. Never happens. You have to go beyond them. And that is what is wisdom and meditation. All this right company, good company can all bring you to that space. So the, if I'm understanding correctly, the right, I like that you mentioned also the right company. So right company and the meditation enables the wisdom, if I'm understanding correctly, mm. to, it's not like... Raise above the creator. Uh, raise above, exactly. It's not like, uh, it's not an adversarial, oh, okay, I need to struggle against it. It's actually more just like... Ah. Exactly. Ah, yeah, it doesn't matter to me, you know. Like... As a kid, you are craving for chocolates, and when you grow older, you don't mind if you don't have it also. Yes. Right? Yes. You have it, fine. If you don't have it, fine. It doesn't make much difference. The kids, you take them to Toys R Us, and then they're hell-bent. <laughs> they have to take the whole shop home. Yes. <laughs> you see? Yes. And uh, they wouldn't want to go home. They would like to stay there. You know, the parents had to drag them out of the shop yes. many times. So, but as a grown-up, you just they, they no longer hold any significance for you. And that maturity we, you know, uh, we need in a society, especially the leaders, especially people who are decision makers, those who are engaged in service activities, social work. They need that. And I, I find that most people do have also, to yeah. some degree. Yeah, it seems we both need to get, gain that wisdom. And at the same time, when you mentioned children, I thought about the childlike joy. And you seem to embody childlike joy. And I feel like that is also a marker of wisdom, because many people lose their joy in this journey of life. Correct, correct, correct. God loves fun. You can't be too serious. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Everything too serious. So how do you, how do you maintain your joy? What, what, what for you? What is? Uh... Oh, don't try to maintain it. It's yeah. really just there. It's there. <laughs> Beautiful. It will be just there. It is there. You're trying to maintain. You get into problem. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. My last question. So my last question would be, for those listening. If you were to provide one insight or one recommendation for them in, the, in this journey called life, if you had, for example, only one 
minute for your teaching. You know, everything, all the beauty you've created, all of the incredible teachings. If it was distilled down and you had just this moment to share something that would be left for others to guide themselves by, what would it be? See your entire past as a dream. Mm. So the future and live in the present moment. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you.